Hi, I'm Karina. I'm the Music Ministry Director at Every Nation Auckland City. We are a multicultural, multi-generational, socially responsible church that makes disciples. We hope this message inspires you to honour God and make disciples. Hey, kia ora koutou katoa. It's good to be back home. And that's a great moment to say, hey, good to see you, Richard. <laughs> yeah, come on now. This is two-way transmission going on. We were down in Hamilton. It's going great. It really is going great. Uh, Alfred and Alvira are doing a, an outstanding job. Um, just new people being added, new baptisms. It's really going well. Uh, today, I think, is the first time that Toldong are actually having a public service which is pretty cool. If you didn't know, we've got a community in Rota Vegas right now. We've got a connect group of about 20-something people. What's about 23 rocked up at the first one. It's few folks have moved on, but it's down about 15 to 18 people there. So that's a connect group under Every Nation Tauranga. But we are um, believing that'll be a pre-church plant. Um, we're trying to figure out the right strategy. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? Yeah, and just FYI, we've got a little interest meeting going on online at the moment with uh, some folks in Wellington, pretty keen to do something down there, so get involved, be a part of it, it's pretty exciting, we'll keep, keep you more informed about that. But I get the privilege of moving around and, and talking to people, and, and people want what God's done in your life. People want the unique DNA of this church to be spread across the nation, and we're excited about that, and I can just welcome any guests that are here this morning, it's great to have you. I'm Richard, part of the team here. I'm a Connect Group leader, and I love doing Connect Group. So what we're going to do today is we're going to land the latest series on our core values. And if you've been around and you might have picked this up, our teaching has been pretty fundamental, pretty basic, uh, deliberately layering, relaying into the life of our church some fundamental foundational things uh, into our life given the last few years. So we went through Ephesians, if you remember, which is all about relationships. Isn't it what church is all about? Being connected and helping other people be connected and doing that well in a multicultural environment. We did a series on finances. Remember that? Yeah, so finances. So these are the areas that have gotten a bit loose and people have kind of been drifting and wandering. And so we got, we've gone back through our core values. It starts with what? Lordship. Because everything begins with Jesus. Would you agree with that? Everything begins with Jesus. Everything. Can I repeat it? It's not just Sunday morning. It's every day, every hour. It's, Lord, what do you want? You're the Lord. You've saved me. You own me. It's all yours. And so lordship. And then we have evangelism. The church is not here to make Christians happy and to just help them consume and be more comfortable. It's about actually people out there. And I think in large part, we've forgotten about the lost We've forgotten about those who don't know Jesus. It was kind of fun recently in my own connect group. We had a guy, Rock, was coming. He doesn't know Jesus, a Kiwi dude. And I messaged my guy, the, the crew, and said, we're changing things up. I'm not worried about you. You're going to heaven. Remember this, Jono? You're going to heaven. He's not. Boom. He becomes a priority. Anybody here going to heaven? No, no. This is where you lift your hand in the air. Is anyone here confident they're going to heaven? Okay. Good. So it's not so much about you anymore. It's about the other people, right? Come on. Evangelism. I'm preaching this thing again. I'm kind of recapping, and I didn't mean to spend so much time, but here we go. And then, of course, when you win them to Jesus, you've got to disciple them. 
Because attending churches doesn't actually change the world. More teaching doesn't actually change the world. It's actually bringing our lives under the lordship of Jesus Christ. If more teaching would change the world, New Zealand would be saved by now. Some, of the, some great teachers and preachers have come from New Zealand and are in New Zealand. And the nation's not been one to Christ. And so it's got to be more than just that. So it's, it's lordship, evangelism, discipleship. And then you bring disciples, you make them into leaders. But we skipped leadership last week. We went straight to family. And I've got no reason, no, no record why, Pastor Weyong. But we just did it. So I'm going to finish today on the fifth or the fourth, but final core value called leadership. It's supposed to be number four because to have a leader, you've got to first be a disciple. Leaders come from disciples. We're not interested in appointing leaders who aren't actually disciples of not Richard Urban or every nation, but Jesus Christ. All right, sound good? So writer, entrepreneur, publisher, and one of maybe, he has actually been described as the greatest humorist in American history, a guy called Mark Twain. You might remember the statement. He said this, the two most important days in your life of the day you were born and the day you find out why. You like that? Holy Spirit, I pray that all of us can answer that question by the end of the sermon. In your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Do you know why you were born? Do you feel like there's something that you've been called to that's more than the hamster wheel of paying the bills, getting up, alarm clock go, get up, walk to bathroom, clean up face, have breakfast, sort out the kids, jump in the car, go to work, or if you're homeschooling, or you know, you get the idea. Have you figured out there's something more than just the, the treadmill? Do you feel like that? Do you feel like it's just more of the same? It's like boring. It's just constantly grinding away, and it's like the overwhelming sense of just routine, which is a good thing, but sometimes it has a way of gnawing away at the bigger thing. Is this the idea we just grow old, pay a mortgage, have kids, and die? Is that what this is about? Do you know that you have a divine purpose? Like you do have a divine purpose. Do you know that? Do you believe that? I believe it. Psalm 139 says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mama's womb. doesn't say mama, but I'm putting it in there. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Has anybody been to England? I really want to go to England. I've never been to, okay, cool. I'd love to go to, you know, White, I call it Whitesville, where all the white folk come from. I think my forebears came from there somewhere, like, you know. Anyways, in London, in the tower there, you'll find the crown jewels. The crown jewels include the sacred coronation regalia used in the, at the coronations of new monarchs. You would have seen it there if you watched King Charles being coronated. It comprises of over 100 objects and 23,000 gemstones. The crown jewels are priceless, being of incalculable cultural, historical, and symbolic value. They're protected by bomb proof glass 
and more than 100 hidden CCTV cameras. You, sir, you, madam, are worth more than the crown jewels of England. You were made by God himself. You are the pinnacle, the prized possession of all of creation. We are not just another form of animal as some ridiculous folk would have us try to believe. We are human. You are made by God. And God has called you to do something special upon the earth. I love what, how David cried out. He said, to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. David had a sense of personal divine purpose. Now, I'm going to run the risk of um, throwing out some ideas so we can get some practical handles on this, but I know I'm going to miss some very important areas, but please forgive me. Maybe God's called you to launch a new tech thing, new app, or glorify God through your art, or change the social landscape through uh, politics in our nation. There's an election coming up. Not too late to make a run to be prime minister, folks. All right. You know, maybe God's going to call you to start a nonprofit to show compassion to other people or solve a global humanitarian problem or crisis. Maybe God's going to use you to find a medical breakthrough, write a best-selling book, raise up a company with integrity, evangelize your street, smash it in the sporting world, or maybe raising a God-fearing family, serving God as a missionary in a foreign country. Maybe God's got a call on you to do that or to plant churches or help other people go to foreign countries or plant churches. God's got something for you. And it's not all about church, but it's all about God. Why were you born? Or maybe we could ask it this way. What has God put in your heart that's really big and intimidating and scary? I think the enemy wants to shut it down. I think the enemy wants you and I just to accept mediocrity. I think the enemy wants us just to exist and not live. Yes, we go, I know what it's like, four sons. I know what it's like to <laughs> washing, just demands and just an endless routine where you sacrifice your life heavily for some years. I get it. But I have to say, even in that space, and that's a perfect space, by the way, to have a God-sized dream, to raise up kids that will go against the grain of culture, to be a light and salt in the world. I mean, this embraces family, one of the most important areas of ministry. After God, I would say it's the most important area of ministry. Every parent here should include in their dream of not just being getting by, but having a God-sized dream and purpose for my home and my family and my marriage. Am I making sense to anybody? But whatever it is, wherever it is, whether you know it or not, God has a call on your life to make a difference, a.k.a. also known as leading or disrupting the status quo, creating a new norm. I like this idea, invoking change. I think every believer is a social revolutionary. 
We don't necessarily need to be out protesting in the streets, but we should be pushing against culture that's not of God. It's pretty quiet in the room. If Christians don't lead and impact and impact change in the country, don't influence, don't, don't make a difference, then by default, we hand the direction of society to other people. This is logical, right? And I want to suggest to you, not everybody, but I want to suggest to you that that gives a wide scope for the enemy to move. Have we not seen that in our streets, in our suburbs, in our nation? What is leadership? Well, let's see what Jesus says about leadership. And I think Jesus was the most influential leader ever. Let's go to Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. Richard, you have to move along here. Yes, that's right. I better move along. I'm going to read from the NLT version. Chapter 20, verse 28. You can stay seated. Then the mother of James and John, the mother of Zebedee, the sons of Zebedee, sorry, came to Jesus with her sons. Don't you hate it? Your mum's going to go and talk to the teacher on your behalf. Like, so embarrassing. Here goes mum talking to Jesus about her adult sons. Anyway. We love mums. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request, he asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to one. One on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus answered and see, by saying to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Referring to his death. Oh, yes, she replied. Well, they replied. We are able. Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right and on my left. My father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. Of course, when the other 10 disciples heard that James and John had asked this, they were indignant. They were pretty upset, like you're trying to jump the queue. But Jesus called them together and said, hey, boys, come here. You know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must first be a servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. Jesus, once again, is flipping it up. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to, be, to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. We see in the story here a clear contrast of leadership, and I'm not going to camp out here very long. But some people would think that leadership is a, is a position when Jesus says, no, it's not. Some view leaders as those who have natural endowments and traits of personality. You know, their intellectual capacity is greater than most. Their force of will, tall, dark, and handsome types maybe, a particular breed of personality. Or maybe it's their enthusiasm or their skills or their ability to speak. And they all can be helpful. But possessing them alone does not make you a leader. Is position being a leader? Is title being a leader? Is carrying authority? Does that make you a leader? Not according to Jesus. 
I do like John Maxwell's definition of leadership. For those who have heard of John Maxwell, he said he coined the phrase, I believe, that leadership is influence. And I think that's true. That's correct. But that's like the, as Steve Murrell says, our president, that's like the what. That's the impact. You have influence. But the heart behind it is to serve, not to lord and dominate. The why is to serve people. The what is to have influence. Matthew 20, I think Jesus right there defines leadership that it's not domineering, but serving. There has never been a greater time for good and godly leadership in New Zealand. Just check out the news, just go to the front page. It's why we as a church want to outreach to future leaders in New Zealand on the campus. It's why we as a church prioritize next generation leadership. It's why we as a church want to continue to plant churches because we believe it's the best way to see transformation in communities. We want to plant churches all through New Zealand. We need church planters and, and people, bivocational people and vocational people to be a part of that and get a sense of God's big plan for this nation. It's why the devil tries to disrupt and divide our church because he understands the power of a local church. There's never been a time for good, strong Godly leadership in our nation and in the body of Christ, I believe, than now. It's why we as a church prioritize leadership development through disciple makers and leadership 101 course and leadership 215. We've got that running at the moment. Our bivocational unleashed conferences right here. Our connect groups to, of interns becoming uh, leaders, becoming coaches. We have pathways and mechanisms to teach and identify and to raise up leaders. That's why we will continue to do that. I love seeing leaders raised up in this place. I think of Ash right now. Is Ash you here this morning? Ash and Willie and Paul Cabado and Ash Ish and Reuben Tan and Dana and TJ smashing it in kids' church ministry now. Every parent should be really glad about what's going on over there. It's pretty exciting. I'm excited to see leaders being raised up and being released into their callings. It's wonderful for our church. That's nice, Pastor Richard. But what about me as an individual Christian? This is what I want you to do. Three things. Everyone say three. What about me? What about me? It isn't fair. Man, I swear, I'm going to go to the theater after this uh, pastor and gig. I tell you what, Sarah Lee, born for the stage. <laughs> Here's the first thing I want you to do. Real simple. I'm a simple boy from Pakoranga. Number one. Believe that God has called you to lead. I hope you want to make a difference in your time on earth. I hope you want to leave a legacy for your children, your family. I hope you want to have an impact on your sphere of influence. I hope you carry a fire in your heart, a desire in your heart for something more than getting up and paying the bills and going to bed and trying to get to church on time. How do I know that God has called you to lead? Three things. Number one, your very existence. You're amazing. 
Your genetic makeup, your DNA, is so unique. There's no one in history or in time to come that is exactly the same as you. You are amazing. You're also a champion. I'm not going to say champ. We are the champions. I can, see, I can hear a queen song coming in now. You are a champion. And I don't want to gross you out. I really don't. This is not the time nor the place to gross you out. But let me put it this way. When your mummy and daddy had a happy moment, there were possibilities of millions of people. And only one made it, and that was you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a champ. Welcome to the party. You made it. We could go down a whole list of other biological things to show you that you are so valuable, so amazing, such a champion that you're here on earth. Your very existence tells me that you have divine purpose. Second thing is your salvation. Almost all of us in this room, maybe all of us are saved. The fact that the Holy Spirit God the Holy Spirit chose to move upon your life and bring conviction and awaken your awareness to, to a need of salvation and to put your faith and trust in Him. And all of us, I think, in this room have experienced this is not just a, this is not light nor is it casual. This is a deliberate thing of God to move upon your life and position you and bring you into places and conversation. The fact that He chose you, that God chose you. And adopted you into his family means that you are amazing. That God's got a purpose for your life. If we just look at not just your experience and not just look at your, um, your existence, sorry, and your salvation, but let's look at church history. From the very beginning of man, we see the dominion mandate in Genesis 1, where God tells Adam and all of Adam's descendants, this applies to, he told him to lead and have dominion over the earth and everything in it. Then he repeated it in Noah, where to be leaders from the very, very get-go, if you like. And then at the beginning of the very, very Old Testament church in Deuteronomy, we see God just stating the blessings of being obedient. He said, you'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the country. You know that scripture, blessed, blessed, blessed. And then he goes on to say, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above and not believe. See, God's intention is clear for his children to be leaders in society, leaders in our home, leaders in our country. And Jesus, didn't he teach be salt and light? Isn't that leadership? Isn't that refusing to let the darkness remain? Isn't that, doesn't, doesn't those words demand some kind of response and movement to lead, to enter the fray, to press back, to be something different. That's called leadership, to make a difference. And of course, a great commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Isn't that also leadership? That's not fellowship. That's not just casual going with the flow, with the stream of culture, trying to hang on until Jesus comes back. No, it's to lead with the power of the Holy Spirit. So your existence, your salvation in church history tells us, number two, be faithful. Be faithful with whatever you have right now. There's a beautiful biblical principle taught through Scripture, but I love the Luke 16 version. But basically, this is the idea. If you're faithful with what God's given you now, He will multiply it. 
Am I making sense? What do you have right now? What about your loved ones and your family? Are you looking after those relationships? What about your placement? By that I mean your job or your schoolroom or your home or your neighbors. Are you being faithful with where you're placed, your business, whatever you're doing? What about your resources, your time, your dollars, your talent, your body, your intellect? Are you being faithful with loved ones, with your placement, with your resources? What about your relationship with God? Isn't that the epicenter of all of this? Doesn't our faithfulness in all areas of life ricochet? They, they echo from the, our relationship with, with God. But you know, being faithful with all of that relies on you and I leading the most difficult person to lead, self. Would you agree? You can know it. You can be a Bible graduate. You can have leaders after your name. You can, you know, but still not do this well. All of this relies upon our ability to lead ourselves. It's amazing how we can judge others and be critical of others in leadership. And yet when we look at our own lives, there's disarray and disorder. Self is the first person we lead. We're supposed to motivate ourselves, encourage ourselves, strengthen ourselves, and build up ourselves. Self-control is the foundation of leadership. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm trying to encourage you today. I'm wanting to lead you to a place where transformation can occur and we could begin to rise up into God's calling for our lives. I thank God for many faithful people in this room. A number of them are on staff. I could mention them by name. I believe we need to be faithful at what God's already given us. Stop criticizing others and stop complaining and whinging and moaning at God. Why don't we start being faithful with what he's got now, what we have now. Find God in the midst of it. Maybe he's trying to use that to form us, to shape us. And then see God breathe upon it and begin to move through our lives and see an increase in enlargement come. I'm just saying, believe that you have a divine purpose. Number two, be faithful with what you already have. And as I try to land this plane, number three, be available for greater things to come. As we are faithful with the little, God will trust more. I love the story. I wish I had time to really tell it in a narrative form, but the story of that boy with the loaves and fishes. Do you think he woke up that morning thinking, today's the day? I love the ordinariness of it. I mean, I'm, it's conjecture on my part. It doesn't say it's silent in scripture, but I probably got up and got his sandwich ready and got some Marmite and a bit of butter, or maybe, maybe for some of us, it's a pot of rice bit of fruit for the health junkies, Nutribullet, I don't know what he, well, we do know it was fish, actually, as a matter of fact, so we'll stick with the Bible. <laughs> oh, wow, you see, that's the danger of narrative form, you begin to insert things, but really, there you go, fish and chips, no fish and a loaf. He gets his lunch, 
He's going out there to hear about this guy. Jesus sees all these people. He's there. Do you think he prayed that morning and thought, man, today I'm going to be famous? I don't think so. It was a special occasion. A man called Jesus, a carpenter from Nazareth, like son of Joseph. Things are happening. The word's spreading. I don't know if he went with his parents. I don't know the backstory at all. But what I do know is there came a moment when he held his fish and his loaves. It's thousands of people, right? Like thousands of people. 5,000 men. You put women on top of that and a bunch of kids. What do we got? 12,000? 15,000? Is that like Spark Arena filled up? I don't know. A lot of people. Well, somehow, somehow this little boy was seen by Jesus. And they asked for his lunch. And I don't know what transpired at that point. Maybe he was intimidated and shaking. Maybe willingly said, yeah, take it. I'm not sure what happened. But they took the bread and the loaves because he was available. He was positioned. I could talk about Ruth and Boaz. I could talk about so many accidental moments where they've been faithful to the word of God. And they found themselves positioned with an available heart, an available use to God. David, what have you got? Five smooth, take the five stones. I love the fact that David, being faithful to take a bunch of refreshments to his brother on the battle lines, was positioned to hear what was being said about Goliath, and something rose up in his spirit to say, not on my watch. My God's bigger than some ugly-looking giant anyway. There's something about being faithful with what you have and then being available to greater things that the God wants to do. I think that boy's lunch is like a metaphor for our lives because it says that Jesus blessed it, he broke it, and it got distributed. I pray that your life would be blessed. I pray that your life would be broken. And I pray that your life would be distributed for the benefit of other people. That's my prayer. That is so opposite to being comfortable and entertained. That is not Christian living. To be blessed, to be broken, and to be distributed. Don't you too want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. If God has not given you a clear, compelling, personal, divine vision, can I encourage you to serve somebody else's? It's interesting to me how Joshua was serving Moses and David, Saul, and Ruth, Naomi, Elisha, Elijah, of course, Timothy and Paul. They attached themselves to something else to be faithful to serve. And then the time came when they moved on and beyond their mentor, beyond their disciple. And did even greater things. Psalm 75, verse 6 and 7. For exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and he exalts another. Friend, I want to tell you, if you are faithful with what you have, 
and you believe that God has given you great things, the time will come where he will position you and opportunities will come for you to really step into a greater scope and a greater level of impact for, in, for other people in your lives. I'm looking at these wonderful young people right here. What's the potential of them? Do you, does, am I the only one that thinks like this? The potential of one life. We could talk about that all day in all fields of society. One person doing one thing and how it profoundly changes the human existence. And I'm looking at a room full of them. Leadership. This is what you can do right now is believe, be faithful, and be available to God. God is searching for leaders. And honestly, I believe man is looking for leaders. This country is looking for leaders. We inherently know what leadership doesn't look like. We've seen a recently a political leader be stood down or voluntarily stepped down because people inherently know, believers and unbelievers alike, that that's not congruent. That's not what that behavior doesn't suit the role. That's not appropriate. I think you all know who I'm referring to. Just look at the front page of the Herald. You see all kinds of examples of leadership gone wrong and sometimes gone right. God's looking for leaders. I want to read a poem to you as I close. Give me a man of God, one man, whose faith is master of his mind, and I will right all wrongs and bless that name of all mankind. Give me a man of God, just one man, whose tongue is touched with heaven's fire. And I will flame the darkest hearts with high resolve and clean desire. Give me a man, one man, one mighty prophet of the Lord. And I will give you peace on earth, bought with a prayer and not a sword. Give me a man, one man, true to the vision that he sees, and I will build your broken shrines and bring the nations to their knees. You can be that man. That applies to men and women alike. For many, maybe most in the room, it's time to break out of the slump. Stop being critical of others and circumstances and start taking responsibility for yourself. As I, too, must take responsibility for myself. Today, I ask God for the grace to disrupt sluggish patterns. Today, I pray that our hearts would repent of entitlement and pride. Today I pray and ask God for His grace, for us all, 
to start afresh and adopt a new mindset to take back control to identify our priorities, to get accountability, get in a connect group, to sign up to serve, to create a schedule and to be faithful with it. Today I pray that God will prepare you and I for great things. It won't be easy. If I had have known the difficulty that I'd have to go through to produce some character some fruit of the Spirit, I don't think I would have signed up. In fact, I would not have signed up. I thank God, looking back, what He's been able to put into my heart, and He's still doing it. He's still breaking, still crushing. And out the other side, I trust, will come anointing and use for Him. Expect God to bless you and to enlarge your influence. Let's close our eyes. Lord, thank you for this moment in time. Lord, I pray that you would fill our hearts with fresh faith. Lord, I pray today that you would set ablaze our hearts with divine purpose. Jesus, you are our supreme leader, and I pray today that our hearts would yield to you that, Lord, you'd awaken our hearts. Give us strength, I pray, to break out of sluggish cycles, to be desperate for destiny. I pray, God, that you would pierce our hearts with divine purpose. No matter how old we are or how young we are, if we are breathing, there is purpose in every day. I pray, God, that there will be a great stirring in hearts. And forgive us where we've allowed ourselves to become entitled and filled with pride. Please forgive us. We repent of that sin. We ask you to do something fresh in our hearts. In your beautiful name, Jesus. Amen. Can I invite you to stand to your feet as I just want to read the priestly prayer over your life and over your week. Thank you for being patient. We've, we've gone a few minutes over, but I felt we needed to do that. And I hope that doesn't disrupt your day too much. I hope you've been challenged and encouraged today. But mostly, I pray that you don't leave the same. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face upon you and give you peace. In the wonderful name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for joining us. To know more about Every Nation Auckland City, you can visit our website, www.everynationauckland.city For more messages like this, you can subscribe to this podcast through Spotify, Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to podcasts.